calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Why, why do lesbians love cats so much? Is it because of that independent, angry energy? I don't know. My girlfriend hated cats. She was a dog lesbian. I feel like there's dog lesbians and cat lesbians. That's the difference between like bull dykes and trans masks that still identify as lesbians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cats are just kind of like vicious and they, they murder when they don't have to. And I feel like that's very lesbian. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that popped its dinosaur cherry. I'm Carolyn Bergier, and Melody Kamali is still in Los Angeles. If you're listening to this when it comes out and you live around there, check out one of her remaining comedy shows. Speaking of comedy shows, we're going to be in the New York Comedy Festival November 7th with our Diking Out at Stonewall show. No big deal, uh, except it is a big deal because our headliner for that show is a comedy and lesbian legend and a past guest of the podcast, Judy Gold. So excited to have Judy at Stonewall. It's going to be so much fun. And we might have some other daikons stopping in. You never know. We have some asks out there. We also have another show at Stonewall before that, October 10th. Uh, both are on Mondays. So if you are around in New York, grab tickets to that. We're going to have so much fun this fall. Uh, it's going to be featuring some of our favorite past guests. Uh, keep an eye out. Follow us on Instagram at Diking Out to get all of that. The gayest thing that Melody and I did this week for sure was our first Dino weekend, though it was more like a whole week because the pre-party for it was on Wednesday and we went all the way through Sunday. It was a lot. We had a lot of fun. Uh, Melody finally met the Tampa Bays in real life. We went to dance parties, pool parties. Uh, I played dodgeball. We worked the red carpet. We ran into past guests, future guests. We met 
Fletcher and saw her perform, uh, did I ask her a question about Becky on the red carpet that left her speechless? Yes. So check out our Instagram again. And dare I say, check out our TikTok for that and other red carpet moments. Yes, we're going on TikTok. Okay, so Fletcher performed on Saturday. This is like the little bit of dynasty that I'll give you right now. Fletcher performed on Saturday and Zolita performed at the pool party on Sunday. Who was there to support her friend Zolita? Becky. Yes, the Becky. Becky So Hot was there at the pool party the very next day. Was she at the Fletcher performance? Not sure. Still working on the tea. What a full circle dyke drama moment and we are so happy to be there for it we love to see it we'll have our full discussion about the dinah up on our patreon soon but we'll also talk about it some more in the new episodes we're recording which means that today is another re-release that's why melody's not here uh it's one of our favorite interviews though in case you missed it or want to listen again this past guest uh, is just so funny, so interesting, so talented, thoughtful, delightful. And now you can see them playing Lucas in the new movie Bros, which is out in theaters now. That's Billy Eichner's movie featuring uh, an all queer cast. Um, so good. A bunch of our friends are in it and we're really excited about it. Here is our interview about labels with Becca Blackwell. And if you want more Becca, there is a hilarious 28 minutes, which I forgot all about until Melody reminded me. It was cut for time and we put it up on our Patreon. So that's patreon.com com slash checking out so you can get that uh, cut for time audio and so much more for as little as five dollars a month enjoy you were requested by a listener what yeah and i think they saw you at a show in boston and they were like you really need to get becca blackwell on the pod, but I had seen you at Joe's Pub performing in Still Asking For It. Oh, yeah. Uh, Adrian because, True Scott's piece. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I'm buddies with Carolyn Castilia and Carrie Caudet who were in it that night. Oh, my God, Carolyn. Yeah, I love them. They're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I came into that knowing nothing about what the show was <laughs> about. <laughs> But I had read about the uh, original iteration mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. So once the show started, I'm like, oh, this is that thing I read about years ago. But then uh, then when the, the second <laughs> vagina came out, I was like, whoa, this is a different <laughs> show. I guess this is the reboot. This <laughs> is It's the remix because no one cares about what a white woman <laughs> without pants on has to say about right. stuff right now. So, so tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Um, couldn't get out of there fast enough, although now it's, I guess, kind of a cool it's city. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but again, this is the 70s and 80s, so nothing was really booming if you're queer. I was adopted to a family and there. And gender nonconforming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> telling my religious mother that I was praying for my penis every night in 1978 was usually a real turnoff <laughs> for family fun. Um, especially when I wake up in the morning with like a dragon dick, you know? 
It's like exercised my genitals every night, my poor mother. Um, and I never really, I think I, I, I had a pretty like challenging childhood um, that I already have gotten into in my shows, but I didn't think anything about doing anything. I was just more like surviving and how do I figure out how to like, what, what's, you know, you can't see past, you can't, no, I never thought of what am I going to be when I grow up? Like those questions never even really entered my mind until I was in high school and I got an in-school suspension for being really drunk. <laughs> and, um, who did it? Yeah. <laughs> I drank 14 beers in one hour. Oh my God. Oh wow. And I puked. Everywhere, like everywhere, all over oh, the man. Everything. What period? Yeah, like really... <laughs> pre-lunch? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yes. You should wait till after Weird. lunch period to <laughs> drink the fourteen beers. It's the rule. <laughs> I also like yeah. that. I'm like, oh, who hasn't that happened to? But uh, flashback to me before the last day of senior year, and some of my friends were like, we're gonna get drunk before the last day of senior year. Yeah. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> I was like. <laughs> I was like, who wants to go through the school day feeling not well? (laughs) Someone living their prime. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I was lucky that I had a teacher that was kind of like – well, she introduced me to some really good writers, Maya Angelou. I know whether Cagebird sings. And I remember reading that and being like, whoa, this is really good. And then they were like, why don't you try some theater? And so I tried doing theater and it was kind of fun, but I didn't like performing. Like I had stage fright. I had like gross stage fright, like kind of the kind where I was like, <laughs> like the idea of standing up on a stage and doing it in front of people seemed insane mm-hmm. to me. But then, but I loved rehearsals and I loved making my friends laugh and I loved being playful. So I ended up auditioning for, I had a really good college uh, counselor, LaToya Evans, and she really pushed me to audition for this theater. I, I think I auditioned for NYU and I got in, but my parents are going through a divorce and my dad was still trying to claim me so I couldn't get a scholarship or anything and New York NYU at that point was like $20,000 a year. And I remember yeah. my my mom being like, what? Why? That is insane. Like college, like they were very much like public education people, like kind of like, oh what, sure, who would pay that? Like that's bananas. Yeah. Um, but I ended up going to a small liberal arts college because I got a little scholarship from that. And my dad was still pissed because he was like, you got to go to OSU because he taught there. But I wasn't really getting along very well with my dad at the time. So I ended up going to the school. And it was kind of like, uh, it wasn't that, it was a good, I met some great friends there, but it it was very hetero. It was very like, it was 91. They didn't know what to do with queer people. I had just come out. My mom had like been like super religious, like, no. And I I didn't even know how to be in a play. Like for my audition, I literally found uh, Arms in the Man uh, by uh, George Bernard Shaw and I, I read it and I was like this is kind of cool so I started just like taking like lines from every part of the play that I liked and putting it together into one monologue and I didn't know you shouldn't do that because I was like what is this from I was like oh it's from Arms in the Man I just kind of you know and they're like well, this is not from Arms in the Man <laughs> yeah, I was just like I just took all the best lines out of the whole play and put them together into a monologue you basically invented the YouTube fan video <laughs> <laughs> the all those hyper cuts of the, of the L word, yeah, like that's it. For, 
forget all those horrible scenes. Just yeah. the best stuff the, together. The best of like Brilliant. classics. Yeah, I wish I should do that more often. But then, <laughs> but then I realized that, that they didn't really know what to do with me either. Like at the time, I had I think my advisor said something to me like, "What are you a lesbian? Because no one asked you to prom." And I just realized I was like, "Huh." I'm probably not going to learn a lot from these people. Oh, and so I came to New York, and it was pretty much the same in New York. I was trying, I was hanging around too many straight people. And straight people are good people. Asterix. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. However, it's usually how my friends feel if they're around too many white people. Like, they're like, it's fun to be around white people for a while. And then after a while, you're like, I don't feel like I belong here. <laughs> and that's only because of socialization that we've all done. But so, like, yeah, I mean, like, my straight friends are really trying to, like, but no one, it's like, I, again, this is, I mean, this goes into our conversation about identity. But, like, again, I didn't have the language because there wasn't a language at the time. Like, at the time in New York, it was just like, like, don't get your ass kicked.com was gender, you yeah. know? Like, if you were a feminine man, you knew you were going to get yelled at or screamed at or beaten up. If you were a bull dyke, you were going to get harassed. You were going to told, do you need a good dick? Like, I was told more times in a day that it was like, what do you, you don't need to be a dyke. You're not ugly. You know, that's like, there's always that. Like, and I would, I would have a sense of humor about it again, because it's like that, that's what you grew up with. You just don't think about it. You're just always like, how do I kind of make the right. joke? So and, usually. And, and meanwhile, you knew you needed a dick because you'd been praying for one for I know, years. <laughs> Here I was. I was just like, I know, listen, I know what it's like to have a microphallus, guys. Like, where are my, where are my microphallus dudes? Let me hear your hands. Let me hear your hands in this podcast. <laughs> the, the sound of. No. <laughs> That's jerking off to a microphallus. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I remember sitting in front of so many mirrors at a bar, turning to the guy and being like, you know, and I had really long hair because I was trying to be like a girl. And I remember uh, my hair is very beautiful. It's the kind that a lot of straight girls would love. It's like red and curly. And um, I remember looking in the mirror and being like, who would you want to fuck, me or you? And be like, you. And I was like, me too. <laughs> and then I would always say, I'll let you fuck me if you let me fuck you first. You know, it's usually like, because this is before like pegging was in. Um, this is when men were still afraid of their prostates and buttholes. So. Sure. Yeah. But here we are. This is my background. And then like, I, I really didn't get anywhere until like, l- 2008, 9, 10, that's when things started to change because the, the culture mm-hmm. changed. Yeah. And so then it was like uh, all these like – I've been doing it for so long and forcing myself. So it's like th- I was this trans actor that had been doing this for so long that I think everyone was like, oh, my God, there's this trans actor and they're really good. How do they do that? And it's just like – because I've been like, you know, behind you like <laughs> – you know, figuring out how to swim in like a, you know, a fucking shark infested hetero ocean. <laughs> and was like, this is great. Well, it was a big shift because it was just like all of a sudden everything trans was in. And it was like, you got a bad play, just put a trans person in it. All of a sudden you got a great play. <laughs> you got a progressive play. And it was just like uh, all these, you know, I think it's just happening a little like I get worried about right now. Like everyone being like. 
you know, virtue signaling, like, look, we care about black people. We care about like, uh, you know, immigrant rights or things. And it's just because there's all this spotlight on these institutions to do something when, if we didn't have this kind of break in time and everyone actually had time and looked to see what institutions are doing, you're like, oh, you guys are all terrible. Yeah. So then everyone's just like, oh, no, we care, we care. And it's, I think there is something that felt like disingenuous even about the shift because it was just like, you know, it felt like, what's in? What's in right now? I'm forgetting her name at the moment, but the uh, trans model who was hired by L'Oreal and then two years ago spoke up oh, about right. the president uh, being racist and then was fired uh, for that, that was like the best example of this like virtue signaling by people being like, see, we're inclusive. We have a trans model. Oh, she speaks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fired. But then yeah. it's really complicated because on the other side of it, if someone has given you millions of dollars and you're like, they're fucking racist, they'll be like, fuck you then. <laughs> so it's like, I, you know, you can't hate the man for that. Like if they're like, you don't like, you don't like my money. Well then you don't get it anymore. I can't, I'm not saying that I agree with that, but that's capitalism. Like this, if we were in a gang and someone said that like bad mouth people after you got money from them, they would be like, fuck you, you're dead. (laughs) Like if we're going to get really like, like no one likes to be called out like that, you know, after they've in their mind given you something. Right. And yeah. in their mind, it's a gift. Like, we gave you a platform, we gave you tons of coin, and now you're going to, what? So I don't, I'm not saying that that's right, but there's like, I'm just like, I'm not shocked. Like that, Yeah. it's like, that's half the reason why I get really terrified of even having anyone know who I am, in a way. Because then you're held to these standards of things that you're necessarily like, I, I, I'm not, like, you know, like, basketball or football players or baseball players that all of a sudden have to be uh, thinking about how children are looking at them. And they're just like, I'm here to play a fucking game. Yeah. And I'm here to play a game because this is my way of actually accessing capitalism and money. So why am I babysitting your children? <laughs> like, Yeah. I, I mean, I think these are interesting at times in that so so much is being expected um of everybody especially people in the in the public eye yeah um, there's very little room for for error at the same time like humans are wildly flawed <laughs> yeah yeah you're not giving ourselves any sort of well we never i think or i i should speak for me i don't give sure. myself a lot of like compassion I hold myself to really high standards, but I do give other people forms of compassion, but I realize that I don't the more I'm trying to give myself compassion. And the more compassion that I actually end up giving to myself, it actually does help me give other people compassion because I'm desperate to feel loved. And if I'm learning how to like love myself, then I'm like, oh my God, how was I even able to do anything? Looking back on past relationships, I'm like, so yeah, and I, so I think that I... I you know, I would be afraid. I, I, I not that because I, I don't go on Twitter. I don't do anything on Instagram. I'm terrible at Facebook. In fact, I only got a Facebook account because the band I was in, we knew we needed like some sort of like because they're like, ah, Friendster's <laughs> out, MySpace is out. You gotta get, <laughs> you gotta get a 
friends. I don't even think I did friends there. I don't think I was even ever. Like, it was like, but MySpace was like where we had our band stuff, and everyone's like, Facebook, everyone's doing Facebook. And we would do events, and they would be like, put it on your Facebook. We were like, what? And we were three real butches. And none of us wanted to get on the Facebook, so we drew straws. Like, that's how I got a Facebook account. <laughs> Three butches in a band together. I have to know the name of it. Inner Princess. Love it. Nice. Love it. We, we wrote a song in 2004. It was our first song called I Wish They Made a Bathroom for People Like Me. But we were just ah. way ahead of our time. Yeah. Like, no one... Like we did Bring a, that we did, song back. Yeah. It's so funny, because I had just learned... The, we created a band out of a joke. And one night we were all hanging out in the East Village. We were all in the circus together, Circus Amok, which is how I met Adrian Truscott, which who did Still Asking for It show. And uh, we were hanging out in this little hallway of a East Village apartment, you know, from people who lived there like in the seventies and eighties. So it was fun. And. Uh, we were talking, and I, I was kind of being like, girl, my inner princess is like, what? Because I was, you know, still pretty butchy or whatever. And the person who was the drummer in our band was like, that's a good name for a band. We should, the three of us should have a band together. And they were musicians. And I was like, yeah, I just broke up with this girl. And I got, she gave me her bass for the TV we had. So I was like, I'll play bass. What? Like, joking. <laughs> the end of the night, they are like, we got two gigs. We are going to do it at Galapagos, because this isn't when it was still in Williamsburg. And then another one, and I was like, what? We, I don't know how to play bass. Like, I was freaking out. <laughs> and so we wrote two songs on a napkin, and then we just made, like, punk, like, you know, like that kind of music, and then that was it. I love it. That's so classic. It was. Uh, it was. I'll send you that. the links to the songs after we Yes, go. please. Yeah. Please do. Yeah, we'll put the link in the <laughs> yeah. show notes. Uh, <laughs> it was... That's such a New York thing, though, to be like, let's do a band and then have gigs. Before we even had, like, walked out of the party. Yes, it was very New York. Yeah. I mean, I think that still happens. It still happens in New York, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to open up and be like, how are yeah, you? I know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's our big question. We got to check in. It's very, yeah. Especially like New York performers. Yeah. I feel like we're in a special kind of... Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm going back to the prison I was in New York in the 90s and early aughts when everyone couldn't even see people like us. Like, they were, you know, like, you couldn't... I always joke, I think in my show I talk about this, like, lesbians are invisible, like, to everyone but other lesbians, you know? Like, straight people, especially yeah. men of all races, just kind of walk around like, what is that? Sounds like keys. And it's just like... <laughs> it's like, no, it's just like two dykes that walk by with their fucking dog walking keys. <laughs> but yeah, that's I, I feel I was doing really well at first in the first couple months because I was so busy that I hadn't had a day off in so long. And so I was really ready to like be uh, kind of retreat inward. And then I was doing okay. And then I came up here to my friend who runs a, a artist colony called NACL it stands for North American Culture Lab, and it's up in Highland, New York, Highland Lake, New York. And I was, oh, nice. it was here I got depressed. Oh. oh, it was out in the woods, out in nature. Like I was, I wanted to go back to this. Like the city to me is so my home. Like I've lived there almost thirty years. Like I don't like that is what I know. New York is like even like after nine eleven. Like all of like the you know the 
93, like all these, in my mind, like I was like all these, that's what I know. New York is what I know. And so to be out here is when it started to like hit me of this kind of like sadness and confusion and like, where do I fit in? And am I necessary anymore? And what are the voices that need to be elevated right now? And wow, it just feels like lesbian dyke voices are never, ever, ever necessary. You know, like (laughs) there's that feeling like even though I did medical things to my body that I look like a man, I lived as a dyke until I was like 41, 42. I mean, I looked like one. And I was so scared of testosterone. So, you know, so then when people meet me now and they kind of are like, you're a dude, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like a brand new dude. Like I'm a brand new visual dude. Like I don't, this isn't the life I've lived. So it's very confusing because it's how people kind of make, it just goes into what we were thinking about talking about. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like that. So I think that was the sadness I just felt like of. Oh, maybe I should stop performing. This isn't like this. My voice isn't what's needed moving forward. Uh, I'll start doing like my qigong and maybe do like medical qigong that stuff. Work in healing and stuff. And that's actually the weird like um, you know this business is garbage. It treats people like shit. There's no like the community is like in a state of constant like desperation. There's a lot of competition, even though it's incredibly like strong family. People like the people I've met in stand up are really wonderful. But I just, there's like a real, like, you know, and it's all young people. So me coming in in my 40s doing this, you know, you're just like, even though it's where I see it's stand up comedy has always been the place where if you're maybe whatever dynamic actor, performer, but you don't fit into Hollywood binary, but then if you do stand up and everyone's like, whoa, they're really cool. That's how you get stuff. So that's like how Richard Pryor, who got his TV shows, or like even Wanda Sykes, or like people that were part of like a marginalization that like the industry was like, well, I don't know what to do with this. Like they can't be this. But then you, they, you know, Saturday Night Live comedians. It's like all that's the way of comedy is the way of like, like you could be a weirdo or a different person and then get yeah. into the industry. There's so much to not like about stand up, but it is very democratic. And if you're funny, like you will go far you just have to be really persistent (laughs) and not give up from all the bullshit that you inevitably face and i mean for what it's worth i thought you were uh, in your like mid 30 early 30 like i can't (laughs) speaking of what you look like you look so much younger (laughs) i think i think it's like i live i've yeah i'll be 47 in uh, next month no fucking way Mm mm-hmm no, and I and I used to be really afraid to tell people that because everyone has this like ageist kind of response, sure. like, "Oh, you're still doing this, you're still living like this, you're still broke," and I'm just like, "Yeah," and I there is something that, that the world still does not know how to deal with masculine people with vaginas. The world just does not know what to wrap their head around them, and I'm as white as they fucking white come. You can't get any fucking pinker than me, even though I'm not waspy. But um, like even, but I maybe that's because I'm orange haired and pink that it was still like, whoa, um, are they okay? They look like they're having a heart attack. No, uh, no <laughs> it's just the sun. Um, I know the feeling. Uh, yeah. It's, it's striking against this uh, blue wall. I look like a ghost. Uh, I can actually see the heartbeat of the wall through your skin. <laughs> <laughs> The ghost in the wall is like, God damn. 
<laughs> I, I'm the person who makes gingers feel tan. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm light ginger, like more strawberry blondish hair, but I, yeah. I don't even like freckle as hard. So my complexion <laughs> is just uh, like a shade of albino is really, <laughs> anyway, enough about, I'm going anyway. to edit that You're out like, so I don't scare our listeners. <laughs> just to let you know that the recessive gene of albino is more dominant than redheads. Oh, really? Wow. And my friend Miranda, she was like, Fuck you, I don't believe that. And then she was like, damn it, Becca. Yeah, my mom is always sending me, like every year, she'll send me some article that's about how the redhead blue eye combination is the rarest one. Like that's yeah. <laughs> my biggest accomplishment in her eyes. Like that's how I stand out. <laughs> She's like, see, I do care about the marginalized yeah. community. I truly do. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's get into our conversation, and I do want to <laughs> preface it uh, a little bit because um, I yeah. do think that this topic of like labels and identity can be difficult to talk about for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people in the community are afraid of talking about it because they don't want to offend people or hurt feelings or be be wrong um, because they're confused and it's, but, but we get a lot of questions from listeners about labels, both in terms of like gender and sexuality, Uh, increasingly younger listeners we're noticing are very stressed out about labels and finding the right labels at like a very young age as if it's some cut and clear thing, but it's not. And I, I think as a community, we kind of move from uh, labels having these somewhat firm uh, definitions that a lot of people had maybe more of a collective understanding of and moving to more mm-hmm. individual identities. So instead of people imposing a label mm-hmm. from you, I'm choosing this label for me because it feels right for me. But then if you're doing that on an mm-hmm. individual basis, then that label is going to have different meanings to different people. And then what is the value yeah. of the label anymore? So there's a lot of stuff that, that I don't know the then answer. What, right. Uh, yeah. No, I think, I mean, and the one thing we should preface this too is that conflict is not abuse. Yes. So if you don't agree with this or you're offended by this, that doesn't mean that you're right. And it also doesn't mean that you're wrong. It's just that you have a different opinion. And we all know opinions are your personal belief system. That doesn't mean that they have to be mine. I mean, Sarah Shulman writes a really good book on this called Conflict is Not Abuse. And it really is about like the fact that, I mean, I also think these poor young people are going into, you guys probably remember this, in like the Waverly Inn diners where there's like a stack of menu options. Yeah. And as someone who's worked at a diner, you don't want half of them. Like half of them are like, you know, you don't want to get the haddock in fucking in Brooklyn. You don't want to get the like, you know, red snapper or something. Well, red snapper is actually more local to New York. But I mean, you don't want to get like, you know, it's like you don't, there's certain things you're just like, don't order that. There's no reason they should have that on the menu. I mean, this is the funny thing with language, right? I mean, how does language even get started? How does it get created? It, 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 you know, if it's derived instinctually from the community, then and and it, it turns it, it it goes from something like, you know, that's like a little mo- like a flash kind of like in that 
specific community and it, and if it really um, moves it's usually in song lyrics and then it kind of can propel forward or if it's now a viral video it used to take words a really long time to like make their way across the country or the so I think we should understand that 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 wanting the older you get the less you're interested in labels but and when you're younger you're you're literally you're detaching yourself from the system of beliefs that your parents had mm-hmm. you know and maybe your parents were totally homophobic maybe your parents were really religious and you're not interested in that religion anymore maybe you know like all these things and that's what you know that's what growing up is about like you know it's like you don't wear the pants you wore when you were 5 and you think that's a funny analogy, but then that's also the same thing with like that. The, you're trying on a label to be like, does this fit me? Is this something I'm into? Also, how language is, is like, you know, you and I all know what the word love is, but what love means to each one of us and just the three mm-hmm. of us is very different. Yeah. And how you use it. So it's just the same, like certain, like are you using dyke, you know, it's like the same thing. Like I, I. Like my friend who I'm here with, he throws the N word around here, but he's like a black Dominican. So he's just like, I'm sorry. It's so in my vernacular. Whereas like, he would never want to like where I'm just like fucking faggot dyke, you know? And he's like, whoa. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just like, like he, those are the words he's like, I can't say that, you know, it's just very interesting. So these identities I think are f- for us to like, you know, I think they help shape kind of some of the edges that we feel are a little unclear even to us because if you're part of a marginalized community you're not in the mainstream so you're you don't usually have maybe queer parents yeah. so you don't necessarily see you know you can't push you can't you can't see yourself you know you can't see yourself in your own family you don't see yourself a lot in in entertainment but much more now Definitely. than when I was coming up you had to like search out for those like very you know you had to watch the hunger games and watch Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon like sort of do it and you were just like <laughs> oh, I'm a lesbian you know like that i don't it, know it seems almost because i i'm with you it's like the the older i get for the most part the less i feel my labels mean to me and it's almost like we use them to serve a purpose uh until they're no longer needed yeah uh, yeah be- you outgrew the pants yeah in e- a way. exactly yeah. um it, yeah it's it's hard for me though to think about it from from my own experience being a, a cis woman and then also early on identifying as a lesbian and never mm-hmm. really questioning it past that while understanding that gender or I, at least in my opinion, I think gender and sexuality is, is a spectrum. Yeah. And, and that's, and because of that, I don't think there are like hard defined boundaries within the spectrum, which is why I think it's okay for labels to have some wiggle room because we do get a lot of questions about like who can uh, identify as, as a lesbian. And, you know, and, and that's... Yeah, I mean, I, it was really hard. I, I've gotten a lot of people, and when it's younger people, I'm just kind of like... Because they're a little more hard-lined about stuff. Right. Because, they're, it's, because it's becoming... It's new to them. Right. So they're just like, they're going to... I mean, that's why you send young people off to war. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's like a weird way that... they're Because they are a little more, like, razor-focused in terms of, like, they're, you know... It, 
anyone who's questioning orders, you're just like, get them out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because yeah. there's something about like you want. Well, it's new to them and the abundance of information and options is new to everyone at the same time. Right. And the accessibility, yeah. it's just, I could see how it would be really overwhelming while you're also still in your late teens and in that mindset of desperately needing to latch on to. Well, yeah. And I remember when the word tranny was being told that we like even trans people weren't allowed to use it. And it was really because a lot of rich, wealthy, white trans women were transitioning and they were like not wanting to be associated with a demographic that was primarily the way people were treating black and brown trans women that have kind of Mm. been there the whole time, you know. And then once you started getting like a, a wealthier and more like a privileged economy of people transitioning, they were like, I'm not part of that demographic. I'm not a sex worker. I'm not these things. And so they were like, this word, and they had, they were, you know, they were, what are they called? I was about to say finger warriors. They're uh, keyboard warriors. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of diking out. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm a, I'm a finger warrior. <laughs> But. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that was something that was really interesting to watch. I mean, even being told, I remember someone saying, well, trans men can't even use the word tranny because they're trans men and trans men have a different, you know, and I was like, oh my God, who the fuck are these people telling me what the fuck words I can and can't use? Like in my own community, you know, and that's just when I was just like, like I couldn't roll my eyes. <laughs> you know, there's an element where, I'm much harsher on my own community because I also feel the most critiqued by my own community. Like I, I, I get scared when I do gigs in front of all queer trans people. Oh, because I'm just afraid they're queer crowds are the most terrifying to perform for. Yeah. And and that, and that's scary. You know, like it's especially some, like when I meet younger comedians that have never met me, they make assumptions. I had one person say to me, why Becca? Like I had, I was some like douchey white guy that wanted to pick a girl name to like, be like, (laughs) I'm non-binary now. Yeah. Like those, you know, those like the, I'm not, they're non-binary, but they're assigned male at birth. They, they have full beards. They're, they just have long hair pulled in the low pony maybe wear a flowy skirt and then they're like, you know, I'm, my name's Sally, you know, and you're just like, okay. And you're like valid. But also then there's like my old dyke in me in the background, like, you don't know what we went through for you to get there. You know, like I'm the fucking old dyke that's like uphill both ways. You know, like. That is something that I'm curious about too, from the perspective of a trans person is that uh, I'll see a lot more people who identify as non-binary who are assigned female at birth who are very femme presenting and then Mm -hmm. they say that they are trans non-binary and I'm like I wonder how that makes trans people feel who are more not that it's like a competition or anything, but that are far more no. gender non-conforming, have much more of a ambiguous look, and from the outside would face a lot more discrimination, would get hassled more in bathrooms. Whereas if you have kind of this cis passing uh, privilege mm-hmm. and using this label of trans, does that does that hurt the trans community? 
in, in any way or do, does it not and it's just something you find annoying or is it totally cool <laughs> and the more people who identify as trans the better because that will destigmatize it yeah i mean i mean i think i think you can have all three feelings at the same time and that's kind of the beautiful nuance of being human right, right. you can be frustrated proud and annoyed all at the same time. Yeah. You know, like you can be like... Um, yeah, it's like a privilege to be annoyed about it in 2020 right now that we're talking <laughs> about it. Yeah. This much. Yeah. I mean, like, but it's like, yeah, because if I... The 20-year-old me that had no none of the uh, options is like how exciting to like to think to go back, you know, almost 30 years from now and be like, hey, at one point in your life, you're going to be so annoyed at all these people saying, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this now. And also, you're going to be so excited that people are saying, I'm this, I'm this, I'm mm-hmm. this now. You know, and I, you know, as one of my friends, I, I, I won't use her name, but she's a trans woman. And she was talking about uh, with someone and, and uh, the person talking was just like, well, how do we... Um, you know, I think they were trying to like figure out how do we they change like workplaces with trans people or something. And she was like, "Well, hire trans people." And the person turned to her, who she said, "I thought it was a cis woman." Turned to her and goes, "I'm trans." And the person, my friend, who's the trans woman, was like, "You are? Do you, do they call you tranny when you go to work? Because they call me tranny when I walk into work. I get called like you fucking tranny bitch and people screaming at me. You know, she's also a woman of color mm-hmm. and." You know, she's just like, is this, but she's just like, she's like, Becca, I have a hard time with it. (laughs) And I was like, I get it. I get it. Like, it's like, it's, it's not to say that I, I think they can, there's space for both of those things. There is space to say like, yes, it is a, it is a sense of privilege for you to say, I'm not going to experience a lot of the hardships. The hardships I experience is that maybe no one sees how I don't feel like I fit into being a woman mm-hmm. or a man, those things. Like, I don't feel like I... So, because I know a couple people who are, they say they're trans, they don't use trans, they use, I'm non-binary. Mm-hmm. And they really were, like, upset in the fact that they were like, I don't want to do anything medically to myself, but I do not like being associated with being a woman or a man. And... What do you say to that? Like, I under- actually understand that very well. I felt the same way. I mean, I really resisted taking testosterone because I felt like I would be a um, a bad feminist. Mm. Like, I really thought that if I took testosterone, and I was also watching at the time a lot of people taking testosterone, and they were turning into assholes. And it, and in the, and the older I got in in my own transition, I was like, testosterone is not making them an asshole. Like, they are an asshole. Like they are working through their shit and they are using taking testosterone as being kind of like a jumping off point to really express a lot of pain and rage they're having. I I can relate to that because I just went through uh, another round of IVF and I was on estrogen and I was being a a jerk for no reason just because I had this excuse and I was like, I'm on shots and then was just letting all my anger out about everything in the world. But it's also wild to have hormones bouncing around it in is. your body that is. is like, yeah, you, you know, all your lymph nodes and hormone regulators are like, what the hell? Yeah. And know, then your nipples you feel doing? different and it's just. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I have some non-binary friends who microdose um, 
hormones. So they yeah, all kind of stay somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I would have to ask. I mean, I was taking 0.25 every um, two weeks, which is usually people take, when they're starting out, take one instead of like point, like, or they take 0.5 every week. Mm. So I took a really, like, this mustache has taken me seven years to get. Because I started taking testosterone when I was 40. So yeah, I mean... I I, under, I feel that there is like I am not interested in not being a woman. I I even said that I I felt like I wasn't strong enough to be a masculine woman because I still wouldn't have the career I have now if I was a bull dyke. Mm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's very interesting what, what you say about being afraid about like being a, a bad feminist, because with just like talking to so many different queer people that are all over the gender and sexuality spectrum. And and it's still being somewhat relatively new, these terms of like non-binary in, in this language yeah. and wondering, you know, well, what is the difference between somebody who's just uh, either a, a butch woman or an androgynous woman or an androgynous man and non-binary? And the the way that I came to understand it and I could still be so wrong is about uh, d- <laughs> dysphoria and, and that oh, yeah. it's dysphoria is what makes people say like it's not so much like I don't want to be a a woman because part of it and and it's confusing too because different people seem to have different definitions of what it means to be non-binary and a big one that I see float around is says um, someone who doesn't identify as a typical man or a typical woman I'm like what is a typical woman nowadays and are we narrowing the definition of what it means to be a woman after years of fighting to expand that definition of what it means to to be a woman so is it because I identify as a woman that I'm some like um, submissive you know no uh, it still goes back (laughs) but it still goes back to the world we have still does not revere or admire or love or hi- hold it high reverence or care women at all. Yeah. <laughs> and so what happens is you have these kind of JK Rowling like shenanigans ugh. where she kind of said that, you know, we were like, ugh. but she, the only thing I'll say is she's right. People, st- people hate women. Yeah. Like people, like a woman will say something and we will literally go out of our way to like bust her down. But a man still can say shit and everyone's just like, you know, or no one fights men the way they fight. Sure. Men. Because it's also a weirdly easy target. Yeah. 
it's really easy to take down a woman. And then we also think we hold women higher. Oh, women should be better because they're women, you know, or whatever. It's like, I mean, again, everything I'm saying is my personal opinion. Right. Um, I feel like I need to say that, be very clear. <laughs> Because I think people, I, I'm not one who, I do not speak for trans people. I do not speak for people who are sexually abused as children. Even Like all these things that have happened or I experienced, I do not speak for redheads. I do not speak for adopted people. I do not speak for anything. Like I speak for Becca and Becca's experience. And so. But but can you please speak for redheads? Because I think you would give us a better image. <laughs> I've had I to go pink because yeah. I just can't take, take the heat what? anymore. Louis C.K.? Louis C.K.? Right. Who are our oh, heroes? <laughs> Danny Bonaduce <laughs> <me> t- or <laughs> uh, Lucy K, uh, Conan O'Brien, uh, Carrot Top. I'm really oh, I can't. Right? <laughs> David Carradine. Becca, please please claim the mantle for for Red. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but these girl chicks have Kate uh, Blanchett, Julianne Moore. Who else? Is Kate Blanchett a redhead? She started out as one. Oh. Didn't she do uh, Queen Elizabeth? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Tilda Swinton, who I look like on steroids. <laughs> you know, speaking of, of J.K. Rowling and, and what you were saying earlier about conflict not being abuse, and we, we've talked about J.K. Rowling on this podcast before. I, mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, it's like some of the things that J.K. Rowling was saying were were valid and you read it and you're like okay yeah that that makes sense but then there there was enough of like that turfy bullshit of things that i put into categories of um concern trolling is a thing in the trans community <laughs> like people being very concerned about issues that do not affect them right like they don't have a trans kid they've never had a problem in a restroom with somebody entering yeah. and trying to attack them yet they're very concerned about about these things and that concern trolling kind of leads to fear mongering and like uh, misrepresentation of of certain things to get people to start to like doubt um the experience of of trans people and that's where i think it gets like a little bit dangerous but but because of that i think that's what makes everybody so scared to talk about it though because they're like but i agree with like half of what jk rowling said does that mean i'm a sure a, a turf are people gonna get that's like that video that everyone's putting around right now about covid with the woman who's saying I heard like madonna I put it out drug- too i'm like madonna yeah <laughs> well it's doing? like one of those things like you hear five minutes of something you're like yeah you got points yeah, yeah. you know and i think it's also if something you have not experienced and you don't quite understand, yeah. but you feel like you're somehow in the Venn diagram attached to it, <laughs> then you, you're like, it's also, it's also a, someone suggesting these things to you. So then once they suggest them, then your mind is just like, and all of us, I'd say we spend most of our time anxious about things that are supposedly or could happen in the future that never do. So we literally waste most of our day, in a state of anxiety yeah. over something that never happens. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we normally yeah. do. Yeah. We normally spend our day in a state of panic. We're not present. Yep. We're not real. I mean, we're doing things at task, but our brains are doing other things like, what if this happens? And what if that yeah. happens? And then you're just like, you spend your life in a state of what if. I mean, this is something that I've been really trying to 
be very aware that I'm doing. I'm like, okay, I'm not even in the present. I actually know that's not going to happen. Why am I thinking that's going to happen? What am I, trying to manifest it? I'm doing some Oprah work here. Uh, You know, like, I want to, like, get COVID and then get in a car wreck and have my dog fly through a window. Like, you know, like, (laughs) the worst things you're thinking of in your life. You know, I think there's probably conversations happening in her maybe group that was just, like, feeling like the struggle that cis women have is still not really in a good place. And now they're thinking that a trans woman wants to take their struggle over. I think there's yeah. like this, like you're worried that you're going to lose the, that, which they're not, it's like you're, it's like you're on two different paths. They do overlap, but because it really still goes down to, and trans women do have a, a, a harder time than trans men because we really put women through the ringer. Like if you're not conventionally attractive, if you're not, if you don't do these things, you don't have this body, if you don't have this voice, if you're not pretty for like some of the ugliest men in the world, they're just like, she's not pretty. You know, you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, it's just also like, it's, 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 to me, it's just like, that's, that's, that's like, it's like nonsense. It's like me getting upset about reading the national Enquirer. It's just like, people just want to talk. Yeah. And what do I want to focus on? But the problem is, is because there's not a lot of representation, then like these things or these panics get a large amount because everyone's like conspiracy theoried right now and all this stuff. And you don't have a lot of access in media and things which do affect how people – like if everyone was seeing trans people in every TV show, after a while, they'd be like, who cares? Right. Because they'd just be like, I've eaten enough to know that this isn't going to kill yeah. me. And, and that's one of the things you were saying that you feel like more uh, attacked or criticized within the the queer community. And I, a lot of times it feels like marginalized identities and communities um, have so much more infighting while the people who do the majority of the oppression do not have that infighting on their end either. Like their infighting is like... Um, you know, Bears or Cubs fan. Like, that's the stuff that they fight over. We're, we're like... We're doing the work uh, for them. Just destroying yeah, we're doing each we're, other. <laughs> we are. We're tearing each other yeah, down. And we no. need to stop. Like, people need to stop being threatened by other people's marginalized identities. You know, you can't think that a, a non-binary person is, is trying to ruin your identity as as a woman or a man or... As a trans person or as another trans yeah, person. Yeah. 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 That if they're not medically doing something, they're not trans enough. Yeah. Like, I mean, I even felt that at one point from the trans community, like, you know, even having people, you know, just say things to me where I'm just like, oh, and it's, it, it, it's always, this is when you realize it's just so, it's always so personal. Right. Yeah. Like Definitely. no one's speaking anything from like, like anyone who's ta- who's a loud talking head. It's because it's personal. So then you're like, that's what you're obsessed with. You know, that's what you're into. And that's what your passion is. So what's the point of fighting with you if you're not even, it's not about listening. It's not about community organizing. It's not about engaging. It's about, here are my opinions. You know, I mean, I, it's really interesting because I'm like, do I apply for the TED Talk fellow or do I just keep doing stand-up? <laughs> right. <laughs> or or both. And then you come out with a special like Nanette. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my Nanette. No, it wouldn't be – my Nanette would be – yeah. I'm also much more into not showing everyone that they treated me like shit 
or that the world is like full of mean people because I am what the world is. Like I do not stand in some sort of like I've never done that phase. Yeah. Right. So if if like it, it's something that in my I I would I practice Taoist Qigong, the Wu Ming uh, lineage. And a lot of it is about like macro and micro, right? So if, if, if something in the world is happening, that means there's something in me happening. Like I can't get any higher as a human being elevating to higher spaces until the world around me is. And 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 that's something I keep thinking about as an artist and as a, as a, as a human being. Like the reason why I do love stand-up is it is a kind of great way to engage with people and kind of speak and say things that might be people like, what? But also just – I especially taking humor and wrapping it around that. Like, you know, like that was how I really dealt with a lot of trauma from my past is I actually did stand up for it. Like, how do I deal with being molested or coming from an abusive childhood? I made it funny. And then it was even healing inside of my family, even though they probably didn't like it, but it made me a lot more um, engaged with them now, able to embrace a lot of like, like time, you know, and and it's, so I try to think about that in everything. So it's like, if I get annoyed at someone who might be non-binary and not struggling like I am or whatever, if anything, it's just you're saying like there's space for it all. I can be a little annoyed. Sure. It's like your younger sibling getting to stay out at midnight and you were the firstborn and your parents were like, oh, no, you're staying. You got to come home at eight. Oh, that's a perfect analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. you're just like, that's so unfair. I was here. You know, why didn't I get that? And, you're, you know, your parents are like, well, you know, you got five years of focused, you know, pain. Yeah. <laughs> no, <wasn't> it? <laughs> um, no, but it's just like that. It, they're also going to like they're going to carry something into the next younger generation and then the, going forward and forward and that's 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 how yeah. humans are That's evolving. how evolution works. We just don't know what it looks like within the queer community cuz we're not used to any sort of real visibility. Right. Like that's still new. This is right. all still right. like relatively new in the like context of time. Our books were all coded up until the 90s. Up until AIDS, really. Like, all the books that were queer were very coded writing, very coded. Like, you kind of, if you were in the know, you knew all these, like, kind of, like, really, like, like metaphors and nuances of, like, ways that you were saying all these things that was kind of incredible. Like, you know, John Waters always kind of, like, rude, like, uh, reminisces of the closet. Right. Because he was just like that. There was something kind of special about that. It was like a club, like, you know, even though it was like kind of like a lot in violence, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but that was I mean, and then once the 90s, I feel like is when academia was just like popping, like all of a sudden they were like, we're going to put labels on everything. It was really P-Touch came in and then Academia came in. They were like, you're a what? Oh, I got a name for that. Um, and then they made it you know? a major. And they're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember getting a grant and, and for something and they just kept hounding me to put Becca Blackwell, trans actor. And I was like, I mean... Because I was, I was still like, it's not that I was newly trans, but it was just like I was just starting to feel okay with that. But I was also very much like I wanted to hold on to Dyke, Bull Dyke. Like I was like, I've been called Bull Dyke more times than I've been called tranny or trans man or dude or, yeah. you know, now, now a lot of young comics like to think if they don't know me, they're just like think I'm some like their nightmare of a white guy, <laughs> which is just funny because I'm just <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you know. 
I'm your eight chan nightmare. You, <laughs> wish. you wish I was this. This is where you're like secret fantasy. I, I will say when when I went to the show at Joe's Pub, still asking for it, and I remember clocking you in the front row, and you were wearing this trucker hat, and I see these orange curls coming out. I think you had like a tank top on or something, and yeah. I'm like. I don't think dude knew what show he was going to. Like, oh, yeah, you talk. Uh, <laughs> and then you got on stage, and I'm like, well, this makes more sense. <laughs> I know. I'm so out of place that it's obvious that I'm like a player. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, because I, I, I am very, like, especially in New York City, like, I'm the most masculine thing that walks the streets outside of union workers, <laughs> you know? And, and the comedy scene, even the, 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 mask cis bros I like out mask right. yeah you know so it's just like because they're all kind of nerds and that's metrosexual. what but that's yeah yeah it's also like you know uh, it's like all dudes straight cis dudes in theater and stand up are not dudes that can hand like can be in like cis man world like cis man union blue collar mm-hmm, yeah. world is like I think you know and I can like physically, like I did union jobs, like I actually physically can't do that stuff. And I and I think a lot of my humor came from making those guys laugh in a way. Do you still use the term dyke? I do, and it's very. I Good. watch people be like, "Good, yeah, <laughs> yeah," because I'm just like, "No, you can't take that away from me." Yeah, like you can't, like you can't take dyke away from me. And I'll, here's the reason why: because I was a dyke until I was 41, technically, because I still didn't like I passed as she. And now even with the masks on, everyone thinks I'm a sheep. Yeah, the the masks are oh, making man. all sorts of gender things in question. Everybody Seriously. is getting gendered in different ways with the masks now. I was a he uh, with my mask on the other day. I was a wow. sir yeah. with like my hat and my mask. <laughs> yeah, and it's because and, and, and some and I remember this because when I first was transitioning, I was just starting to show a little bit of facial hair. And I remember this woman, I was in a group of men, this woman goes, hey, boys. And she was an older lady. And we were all like, kind of like, hey, mommy, what's up? We were giving her like, you know, some like, you know, you sexy thing. And she starts talking to us. And then she looks right at me. And then she was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I just assumed. And then she kind of kept looking at me. And then she's like, I'm, I don't know. I'm sorry. You're. And then I was, she's like, are you a man? And I was like, I'm whatever you need me to be, honey. And, and then everyone's laughing because everyone's all like. You know, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, 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 no. I go, being a woman is amazing and being a man is amazing. They're, they're equal and there's not one that's better or worse than the other. And she was just like, oh, she's like, because you know what really threw me off is you, you maintained eye contact with me. That's without, what. She's like, she's yeah. like, but not in a way men look at me. Right. With either like a sexual or like you're my mom. She's like, you looked at me. You looked right at me, like human to human. And mm-hmm. all the men yeah. I was with were like, what? Like, you could tell that they were like, wow, that's so real. And it was, it was, a, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like all white men. It was men of like a few different races. And they were all very much like, oh shit. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, you look at a woman like that, you wouldn't have sex with who's your mom. You give her kind of that look like, hey, like you're not going to stay engaged with her just because yeah. she's a human being, which is if you're, I think, a person who's raised an assigned female, you just look at, you know, it's just, it's all of it. It's like what it's not it's thing good or bad. It's just like what you experience. Right. So I'm you don't raised, objectify as much. Right. And you're also yeah. 
I was raised to be in service to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was raised to like, go fix this, go get your dad's plate, go get that, take yeah. care of this. And then once they realized that I was like a, a tomboy or bull dyke even, then it was even more like, go do things we would have boys do because you're stronger than your brother. <laughs> yeah. But do that in service like how you would as a woman. Yeah. You know, it's like, you, you know, you were like, and so I literally raised, was made by my life kind of being like, how can I help? I love labor. It's my, it's what I offer. You're also just more aware, I think, because you're well, yes. not like serviced by that like power. Um, right. I wasn't dynamic. Yes. It is weird to like also then become a man in my forties engaging with other men where I'm just like, Oh, you know, also you see a deep need for men to be vulnerable. Like yeah. I've had some really, really, and I, you know, I've also since started having some sexual relationships with men that was very, like, I was never able to do as a lesbian. Cause I was always thinking they were trying to fuck the dyke out of me. But once I started looking the way I do and I had my tits removed and I was like having sex with some men, I was just like, Oh, there's like a very different way of like vulnerability. Like we just realize also the pain that men are in a state of not being able to like it, their whole dynamics off. It's like, it's like white supremacy just doesn't hurt. Like, the people it's trying to oppress, it also hurts white people. And just the same thing in right. terms of patriarchy, in terms of homophobia, in terms of transphobia. All the all these isms and phobias that we have are hurting you even if you're the one who's afraid of it. Like you're missing out on culture, context, you know, all these – like you're missing out on seeing, you know, the rainbow. You're missing you're you know, you're 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 shutting your eyes down to like beautiful things because out of fear. Like none of it it's like everything is out of fear, right? So all this goes back to like you're sitting in your room anxious about something that's never gonna happen. Do you wanna spend your life doing that? Or do you wanna spend your life actually trying to get past your fears, open your eyes and start seeing some of the most beautiful things that you didn't even know were there. They were right in front of you. And once yeah. you got rid of that fear, then you realize, oh, my God, there's flowers everywhere. They're fucking everywhere. You know, and you're like, yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. And you've been thinking these were weeds, but they're I flowers. Mean, they're healthy. That applies to, like, this conversation even. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was anxious that I was going to say <laughs> something that yeah, I wrong. would, on the record, that wouldn't age well. And in a couple yeah. of years, someone would listen to an old episode and just, like, come after. Like, just, like, coming up with. Mm-hmm. Like I had to like meditate before we recorded to try to get that out as much as possible yeah. so I could be as in the moment and have this beautiful conversation. But like I really almost let that fear completely derail this even. But the fact that you're I mean, and, and this, then the next time you go into this, you can know like, actually, I don't have all these negative thoughts. I'm afraid more than me just being authentically myself, which is what we're always trying to say for queer people to do, be authentically yourself, even if that means being unsure, even if that means questioning, even if that, but if you're in a state of being an open heart, like being like, let's have this conversation. I'm confused. I, I'm afraid that as a cis woman, I'm losing my autonomy and there's still many issues in my community that we still don't care about. And so I get scared about what being trans or non-binary means in that dynamic. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. Right. And talk talk about about it, not comment on the internet. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Engage with those conversations. And you know, again, I, I think, you know, everyone, when you, you know, I always think of like the recordings of like, like when I think of like Maya Angelou at, over the years, and you could even, even though I think her message always stayed the same, but you could hear her change as she got older. Mm-hmm. She just was able right. to release 
like things that you know oh like even it was like just I these are just, I'm thinking of artists that I admire that I listened to over the years of James Baldwin or these like you 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 hear them kind of speaking from the young passion of their 30s you know and then into their 40s into their 50s and and then you start seeing that they have these experiences and then they're like oh wow the, you know so, so you start to like can you imagine being God could you imagine being a bird and seeing all the things and then. You, you see the thing that can only see like here. This is like right in front of them, and there's all this stuff happening behind them. They're unaware. Like you realize how limited we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're speaking from limitation, and oh. that's really it's it, it, it. But it's also with you have these conversations. It's exciting because then you're just like, oh wow, I can grow. I there is possibility. Like right. you wouldn't you wouldn't go up to a flower and be like, yeah, we already have enough purple flowers. <laughs> I feel like you, if you think about talking to a, a plant or an animal the way you talk to another person, like, would you say this to a plant or animal? You're an idiot. You know, like, how could you yeah. do that? How could you be your, like, oh, you're going to bloom now in these, like, circumstances? <laughs> do we really need to see your flower? I'm going to be thinking like, about you every time I go to a botanic garden. <laughs> Yeah, for the rest of my life. <laughs> I I mean, w- with talking about that, I think that there there is this kind of I, again, if we go back to some more turfy kind of attitudes, and I hate to throw that around because I know that there are like a lot. It's used by different people in different ways, but um, I see a lot of kind of concern trolls saying they're worried because like oh all the. Uh, half of the lesbians I know from 20 years ago are now trans men or non-binary. I'm like, well, they were probably trans or non-binary back then. They just didn't have They didn't have the access the language. or language. Yeah. yeah. And, and that seems so like I don't know why the the lesbian community has to look at it as like this loss, like we're losing something. It's still the same humans. They're, they're still existing and they still want to be loved and they still want to be in in our community. So why do we have to take it personally? And again, as someone who's always identified with the word lesbian and then younger queers are like, I don't even want to touch that word. I'm like, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, but like to me, my definition of lesbian is a lot more uh, inclusive. Mm-hmm. And... Some of the best um, sex I've had is with lesbians. <laughs> best sex I've had. They're full on identifying lesbians. Yes. They, not, they're not bisexuals. Mm-mm. They got, they know how to do it. Yeah. It, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't see, I don't know. I don't see where the, the problem is at the same time. I know where I've gotten, annoyed that that room for being annoyed right with people who um who will say that they're a lesbian but their persona is like 95 percent thirsting after cis men (laughs) and like the worst cis men but because they had like a girlfriend once years ago they're just using the word lesbian because they don't like bisexual and then that's where i'm like well now you're you're muddying the waters like i'm fine (laughs) bisexuals always Get out! No. Yeah. <laughs> As we 
have one hosting Diking Out. I recently had to just be like, I, I'm still always go- coming up with a new <laughs> idea. Yeah. Like a new, yeah. a new idea and label. Yeah, because you're you're a bisexual in a lesbian relationship, and now people yeah. are using the terms a lesbian bisexual, <laughs> and it's like we got. Uh, we just got an email about that. How do you feel about lesbian bisexuals? He, him, lesbians like that. That's, you know, I'm like f- fine. I, I yeah. guess. I don't know. As, as long as they're not like palling around Are they hurting uh, these anyone? awful cis straight men and then Are... having these men go around and be like, yeah, I've been boning this lesbian. I'm like, she's not a lesbian. Stop <laughs> bragging about it. <laughs> But those are very specific scenarios, and right. I, I don't feel um, under under attacked by like the one or two <laughs> exceptions, like a, as a rule. But then I don't know. It's like sometimes if I think about this stuff too much, my mind feels like it's just turning into a, a pretzel. Yeah, I get long G chats from Carolyn in the middle of the night. About this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. I'm like, okay, I've been thinking about this topic, really going through it, and where it doesn't make sense. Yeah, there, there's so much talk about sex is different than gender, right? And that mm-hmm. seems to be, or so I thought, this widely accepted thing that that now with the language we use, sex is mm-hmm. what you're born with and related to your genitalia, and it doesn't. With with how your genitalia, I guess, pr- presents, but it doesn't always have to be male or female, that there is, um, you know, intersex and other sexes, v- variances on the sexual mm-hmm. spectrum mm-hmm. from of course. strictly biology. Gender right. is separate. It's a it, construct. It's a construct. Right. right. It's, it was created for social reasons. Yes. Not necessarily like on for there's no biological right so because usually you get a lot of people like your X Y can't or XX you can't get rid of it or whatever yeah. it is and you're just like fine okay that's that's not I mean I feel like once we evolve as a species I hope we can look back on this time and say people altered their body because we didn't allow people because we forced people into certain roles. Mm-hmm. Due to the je- the flesh between their legs, yeah. like I, again, it's like always like imagine telling things to aliens. <laughs> we respond to people's melanin in their skin. You do why? I don't know <laughs> because we were told to. Because, well, I think certain you know, you know, why do you put people? Why do you put flesh between their legs? Oh, the, the, the sounds their mouths make if they don't fit into like accents or whatever. Yeah. It's just like yes, we respond to these things, and they're if you think about it, they're almost like base like i don't even want to see child because children are smarter than this but they're very like i don't even know the word like they're just like they're ignorant ways of responding they're like baseline ignorant things to respond to right because you you, you, you like there's suggestions by larger voices to say you know be afraid of these things and you're like why why do i have to be afraid of these things what is it it's because it's, i mean i yeah, I think it has to do with like because all this is about your personal search, right? What you want to wear as a gender, as your as who you want to love, like those are your choices, yeah. right? I'm choosing to be with this person, like I'm connecting to them. What the the color of their skin or the genitals and their whatever their their accents or where they're from. What I'm like, if we have a spiritual connection that our bodies want to connect, then great. Like, it, it, it doesn't seem to me like this is something that needs to have a whole. I mean, I, I think all of this really bounces up against people's belief systems. And if you're raised with certain religions, 
in some of the religion texts are very archaic and they are rewritten I'm nothing but a to, rib, right? I'm right. made yeah. from Adam's rib. Or, yeah, I mean, you have to, like, it's just all that. Like, it, it, like, we look at queer theory or even, like, like, like books that were written at times. We go, oh, this is written at a certain time. We don't look at medical books and we were like – these guys didn't know what we know now yeah. and all these things. So if we, why don't we do this with religion? Because everyone just like, God would never let us lie, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, but you wrote it. <laughs> so no matter what, if God was never let this happen, you are using your own analogies or of such a sin nature that you couldn't help but lie. Like you, you'd fuck that up even if, because you keep fucking up everything God gives you all the time. <laughs> According to your stories, God's like, I gave you this. And you're like, I'll fuck it up. <laughs> So how would you not write your own book to fuck it up? You'd fuck that book up. Doesn't matter, you know? And then you study it. Like, this is the shit. And you're like, you fucked it up because you're human. It feels like just this big paradox. And uh, as Melody often says, that it's it's everything and it's it's nothing. Because that's, that's my that's literally that's my that's that's the only way I formally responded to this conversation on the podcast. That's my where I stand. Yeah. It's it's everything and it's nothing. <laughs> but that is that is the that's enlightenment. Yeah. That is enlightenment wow. is when you realize that everything is everything and nothing yeah. is. Yeah. And that's just yeah. how I was and raised. It, my mom's very like I, I don't, she doesn't even know it but she's very Taoist. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. Is she is she single? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh my god. Would love for you to be my daddy, but I got one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are they into Thrupple? Is your dad cool? You, you know, know what? They fun. are so open minded. Let's try. <laughs> Melody, call him. <laughs> <laughs> I wish oh I could just have two, two more Zooms. <laughs> I know. My dad just made an Instagram. I had no idea he had one. And I saw his, pro, his avatar is a bunch of different colored skin hands holding each other in a square, and it says no racism. And he's got the new, like, like inclusive pride flag with the trans colors. They're so open. And I feel lucky because my girlfriend was raised in the South and literally this morning, someone called us fags on a post she made about us. Um, Like, I just can't even imagine growing up with, all of that you intolerance. can't even offend us yeah. right. You can't offend <laughs> us right. Like, that's just when you yeah, yeah, you're like, uh, it's dyke. Trying to build a whole career off that word. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can, I have to ask this, though. Um, oh, do you think men are sitting around, gay men sitting around having these conversations? Like uh, being worried about this much of the feeling? Because I do feel like this does, this emotional labor, queer people, women, and right. like, I would say, not uh, trans women included in this, just like anyone who is assigned female birth and who is like living the world as a woman, they're constantly in a state of having these conversations. But I don't know if men are or gay men even. I wonder about that too, because yeah, I don't know. I can't say if they are, cause I don't spend enough time in, in the spaces of, of cis gay mm-hmm. men, but I do feel like queer women, trans men, and trans women are like lumped together often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. like everybody but but the cis men and that but then within the queer community, I'm like, well, what does that mean for 
for the cis gay men, like, are are we just like leaving them out of the conversation? Do they have like a a place in it? And then, and this is where I start getting my my head turned into a pretzel. So when, when <laughs> I just wonder, like, how it feels that now you have all these spaces that used to be women's spaces, right? So let's say you have a women's open mic for for comedy. Yeah, and those were created because um, most mics. For listeners who don't know, are dominated by the worst kind of men. Mm-hmm. And you just need to be outside of that space. So then the women's spaces turn into um, women and, and non-binary. But, mm. but mostly it's because we're seeing non-binary. We're just kind of lumping non-binary in with women a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like, for and then for certain things, it feels like we're lumping in... Um, Females assigned at birth who identify as non-binary, but not um, assigned male at birth, and non-binary. I I don't know. It, it just seems like like this like it it's almost invalidating this thing of like I'm not part of this gender binary, but um, but the the women's club keeps opening the door to it, to me. Well, I mean, but this is this is also like this is always goes back to women always are having to be. To, to to shift for everything, mm-hmm. yeah. Like women, women constantly are told to hold this emotional labor, even if you're mad at them. It's like because it all goes back to we just hate. Like there is something hugely we still struggle with women being in charge, women having opinions, women being aggressive about things. Like we still get mad at them in this way. They're like, you're not supposed to do that because you're not a yeah. man. Like we still follow into these whole paradigms, and the reason why I think there are trans. Anything or non-binary anything is because we allow no flexibility between men and women. Yeah. Like we don't like so. So if those are the things, so like a queer people, like I, I mean, it's so. I mean, you know, everything is kind of a case by case basis, obviously, because right. you know, making broad strokes is it's easy, it's lazy, but it's also like yeah, a little bit. You know, um, yes, Irish people do like to drink. We don't. <laughs> We can't drink very well. That's okay. Right. No, um. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bluntly be like, no, when you asked, <laughs> do you think cis gay men are having these conversations? But it is yeah. case by case. And I felt but I weird would say saying a, that. A weird, I think a lot of, I think a lot of majority of men don't really think that much about what everyone's feeling all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I just think they're experiencing the world at a different pace. You know, it's like all those men that went to Fire Island that everyone was like, oh, yeah. you know. Well, like, th- those are not men that, like, I just, like, I'm like, wow, you just live a whole different life. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. your life is really focused on partying and just, like, I mean, good for you. But it's also, like, it's so, yeah, it's just like a, like, a, like it's just, it's, it's, it's the frat places for gay men. Yeah. Fire Island. And- just to be clear, I, I want to, because I know a lot of our listeners uh, identify as everyday. I'm not saying yeah. that there's any problem with non-binary people being in <laughs> no. what used to be women's spaces or trans people nope. being in those spaces. Just but it was, if I didn't make it clear. <laughs> no, I know. But it was very complicated when all this was really changing. I will never forget. There was a, this, my friend Chris started this women's oil, Turkish oil resting thing. And she had these huge big parties in her backyard. It was so much fun. It was women's only. It was women only, women only. And then it was like all these trans guys showed up. It was like 2005 or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just like, boom. It was like they were everywhere. And they were coming in, beards, 
no titties, coming in very masculine. And I'll never forget the woman at the door who must have been like someone's friend. And she was just like, hi, you know, and her first, she was like, oh, I'm sorry. This is a woman's only event. Like she was saying it in this way that wasn't like mean or anything. And yeah. I just remember these trans guys, I was standing right there. These trans guys were like, we belong here. This is all right. She was so confused. She was like, I, uh, I, uh, cause it was like everyone's rage. Right. Cause they, they were like all hopped up on. Probably the anxiety of we're going to get rejected from you. We're women, you know, it's kind of like almost like, yeah, right. You can't have it all, you know, but you can. But anyway, I just remember this poor woman so confused. Like, you know what? I'm just going to get the um, the person who runs the, I'm, you know, like she was just like, I am not going to be this because these men are mean and angry. Because they were whole, they were carrying all of their pain and rage, you know, putting it like and again, right. very easy to attack a woman at a woman's only event that they know why it was being created. Like yeah. they're not idiots. They're not like twenty two, three, four, five year olds that are like, huh, I wonder why there's a woman only event. Because women are treated so equally. I wonder <laughs> I wonder why we would have to do a woman's only event. Boy, that looks fun though. I love wrestling. You know, like it wasn't that. It was it was kind of combative. It was very like, you know, uh, not only do I look like a man, but I also, you know, belong here. And I, I remember thinking, what fucking pricks? Like, I thought testosterone made everyone turn into a little prick. And I was just like, no. I mean, I think they were also wealthier kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because in back in the day, transitioning meant you were rich. Like, if you were able to get top surgery, you were rich. If you got hormones, access to your rich, you know, that's how I, I mean, that's not all the cases. I'm sure there will be people here who will be like, that's not true. But I remember, you know, meeting my friend who had gotten his tits taken off by Medicaid, Medicare. And I was like, oh, how does he, how did he do that? Like, that's what I want to figure out. Like, you know, once that became more accessible, but going back to those spaces, like I, it's very confusing. I mean, like Michigan women's festival, a lot of people wanted to like really like say horrible things about that, and there were horrible things that happened within that. If you look at why that started, there isn't much change in what the. I mean, like you have to understand when that started, women couldn't even get like credit cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like y- you have to understand where this is coming from. Yeah, like yeah. if you aren't looking at history, if you aren't looking at why these things are happening, and and seeing how they are helping kind of grow, but like. I think some young people come at things and it'll happen to them. They're going to get to be in their 40s and 50s and some young 20-somethings are going to come in and go, hey, you know, what is this like this? And you're like, well, 2020, this is what we had to do because of COVID and we've never gotten over it. <laughs> like, you know, like things. So I think if you're not honoring or understanding where people are coming from, you're just going to keep kind of trampling on the easiest to trample on, which are other oppressed people. You know, yeah. and unfortunately, we don't value women in this way, and we don't value the labor of the feminine, which is usually cooking and cleaning and things like that. I think people are realizing it under COVID when you you have to do it yourself. You know, there's a lot of things I don't know. I mean, what I hope with COVID happens is what's happening. You know, with Black Lives Matter and what's happening with right. like being. You know, I think a lot of things are opening up and people are, eyes. I'm talking about eyes, but just being <laughs> like, oh. Wow, these things that everyone's been telling me about, I don't have capitalism in the machine now to like use it as an excuse where I can't be, you know, fighting for things. And I'm hoping that that then does open into like 
yin and yang are they need each other you know masculine and feminine energies need each other and one isn't more valuable than the other and to like really see I just think certain maybe indigenous communities maybe uh, without being but I don't know I don't know the indigenous communities because I didn't grow up in them so I think it's like you know I think every there's patriarchal indigenous communities that are kind of like not cool <laughs> so I don't know I mean it's just like it's a very I think you know uh, uh, we pick our bodies we pick our families we pick the time we're here we're here for a purpose, a journey, an adventure, and it's all based in love. And we can make it really struggling. We can we can focus on the worst or we can use this time to maybe see more, feel more, and love more. And those are and it's, you know, it's also starts with ourselves. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for this Thank conversation. You. You've been very generous with with your time. Yes. This is pleasure. Been- a lot of fun. Um, where can people find you on on social media? Oh, or terrible or not social find you, media. Or not right. find you on social yeah. media, right? How can uh, they support you? How can our listeners show show their love? I for you? after this, they're probably like, I don't understand what Becca is. Um, I do have <laughs> no, a website. They're gonna love it. <laughs> I have a website, beccablackwell.com. Um, I do have a Instagram, the Irish Horse. And Facebook. I should get better at those. I think during this time, it felt uh, posting always felt really weird because it was yeah. just like, oh, this is a really kind of intense time because I was watching friends who were also essential workers, nursing and stuff. I was also watching people get sick and die. So you're just like, I don't think I want to post my new recipe right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the whole like civil uprising happened. So I was just like, sure. as a white, you know, honky tonk, you know, Ritz cracker, I'm going to keep it real. <laughs> I'm just put a little Cheez-Its on this with cracker. I eat it by myself. Uh, and so I feel like maybe we're getting in a place where I would start doing some more. But it's also, um, you know, if someone really wants me to make content and they reach me out on my website and send me an email, I'll make some content for them. How about that? And Love more it. importantly, are your DMs open? <laughs> no, but my BM is. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. the best answer we ask all our guests <laughs> yeah that's the best answer yet <laughs> yep count it <laughs> you figured it out uh. <laughs> and then she just have like a big thing of just my like spread <laughs> open slide into my BMs uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That was so much fun. I love Becca so much. We knew it was going to be a, an amazing interview because the email exchange Just. with Becca was so funny and had us laughing a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> Check out Becca's BMs. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, slide into Becca's BMs. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Diking Out, on Facebook at Diking Out, on Twitter at Diking Out. And if you're interested in this whole Patreon thing, go to patreon.com slash diking out. Uh, you can follow me and maybe see some of my pictures from my uh, vacation in the woods at TGI Carolyn. And you can find me at Melody Kamali. And 
thank you so much for diking out with us this week. We hope you dike out with us again uh, next week. We already recorded that episode, and it's going to be great. Yeah. What a great one. We're just patting ourselves on the back here. We're doing great. Be kind to one another. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand-friendly, but don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.